What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. And in today's episode, episode number 157, I'm going to kind of circle back to a topic that I said I wasn't going to talk about, and that is the Boston Red Sox. But I'm not going to talk just about the Red Sox. I'm going to talk specifically about Alexander Bogarts and the contractual situation that is looming once the regular season does end and the offseason begins for the Red Sox. I do want to talk about Alexander Bogarts and his contract moving forward. Uh, where it currently sits, other players of the same position that have signed within the past couple of years and kind of just project what he potentially could be worth. And I really think all this is noting because Alexander Bogarts still has an opt-out it is not confirmed that he will opt out or opt in, but it's kind of assumed, you know, under the presumption that he's going to opt out. However, I kind of want to look and see maybe he might opt in. Who knows? But anyways, I also want to talk about the Patriots 53-man roster that did get released a few days ago and just kind of break it down to see what the current or I should say, yeah, yeah, the current 53-man roster looks like. Obviously, things will change between now and week one. Injuries, IR, trades, free agents, etc., etc., etc. But yes, let's talk about Alexander Bogarts. So let's just, what is the contract? The contract he originally signed was a six-year deal worth up to $120 million. So this contract expires... I should say the contract started in 2020 and the contract expires in 2026. So a very, it's a good size contract that, you know, pushes him to his uh, age 33 or he'll be an unrestricted free agent. His age 34 season gives him nice long-term stability, good cash flow. However, there was a, there was an opt-out built into the contract for Bogarts at the end of the 2022 season, which is currently upon us if he opts into the contract he will make 80 million dollars over the next four years 23 24 25 and 26 20 million dollars per now that doesn't seem all that bad however Xander Bogarts is a very good player and could he be worth more yeah, potentially yeah I'd say so you know in a vacuum right Xander Bogarts this year in 465 at-bats, has 144 hits, 12 home runs, 60 RBIs, 73 runs, 8 stolen bases with a 310 batting average, 378 on-base um, percentage, slugging 460, on-base plus slugging is 839. Pretty good numbers. I mean, obviously we want to see the home run numbers up. The RBI numbers would like we would like to be up, right? And he made the all-star team this year. Whoop-de-doo. Woo. But is he worth more money? Is he worth more money than the $20 million he would get next year? 24, 25, 26, or $80 million over the next four years if he was to opt in. Now, I do have some players up here who have signed contracts within the last couple of seasons. I have Corey Seager, who signed with the Rangers last year, or I should say this past offseason. 
Carlos Correa, who signed with the Twins this past offseason. Trevor Story, who signed with the Red Sox this past offseason, who was a shortstop who is currently playing second base. However, you know, still a shortstop in nature. And then Marcus Semien, who signed with the Rangers this past offseason, who is playing second base like Story. However, was a shortstop by nature. Semien played second base with the Blue Jays in 2021. Now he's playing second base with the Rangers. So it probably seems like he's more of a second baseman now than he is a shortstop. But he was a shortstop coming up with the uh, the Athletics. Then when he you know went to Toronto, they had Bo Bichette, so they put him at second base. Um, let's see, Sal. I wanna. I should have looked this up. Red Sox salary. Well, not salary cap, but salary 2023. And I just want to kind of take a look at. I know I kind of really dove into the numbers last episode, but I just want to see what the money commitment is for next year, if any at all. Do, 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 do. All right, next year, all you have committed is Hosmer, who's making, you know, 720,000 pennies. Garrett Whitlock, 1.2. Sawamora, you just DFA'd. Uh, Tommy Pham, who has a mutual option, so either, well, both of you, club and player option. <laughs> Matt Barnes, 8.3. James Paxton, club option for 13. That's getting declined. Uh, let's see. Chris Sale has a player option for twenty-seven million, twenty-seven and a half. He'll definitely opt into that. Trevor Story, twenty million, and then the Bogarts at twenty. So you have literally almost nothing on your payroll next year, which is uh, kind of nice. As it currently sits, as it currently sits, if everyone was to opt in and such like that, you're looking at. See, 20, 40, 67, 67, 80, 88, 94, 94, 95 ish. Uh, let's see, they have the Red Sox payroll totals, has a Sawamora option, but he's. See ya. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, goodbye. So you're looking at around 100 million. 100 million in committed money. Okay? That's not involving. Oh, they also have the, the Eric Hosmer, the payroll at 13. However, it's adjusted to 720 because the Padres are paying for it. So just let's call it, let's just call it 100. Let's just make it even 100. Let's just kind of move on from it. That's not including you, you having to bring back Tanner Howe, uh, Pavetta, Schreiber, Taylor, Verdugo, Dahlbeck, you know, all these guys who are on arbitration or pre arbitration. Uh, Schreiber, Cordero, Crawford, Devers even. And then you have players like J.D. Martinez, who's going to just be a straight-up free agent. So there's a lot of question marks for this team moving forward. But let's just call it $100 million right now in committed money. That is including the $20 million that Alexander Bogarts would be making if he opt in. Now, I do want to go over these contracts that these other shortstop middle infielders took that we can kind of compare and contrast. Now, I do must say that Dansby Swanson will be a free agent. Pretty good shortstop for the Braves. We have Trey Turner, excellent shortstop for the Dodgers, who will be a free agent. And Carlos Correa, although I'm going to talk about his contract with the Twins, has an opt-out every single year. He signed a three-year, $105 million contract with three or two opt-outs built in, one after this year, 
one after 2023, and then he's going to be a free agent after 2024. So he could potentially be a free agent this year, just like Xander Bogarts. Who knows? Who knows where his, you know, his market will lie. But, you know, there is that to note that Turner, Swanson, and, of course, Correa could also be free agents this year along with Bogart. So, you know, we have to take that into consideration. But let's just look at what the contracts were signed by these players. Again, we already talked about um, Carlos Correa, who's making $105 million over three years. Again, a couple opt-outs built into there. Uh, let's see. Can we get some statistics? This year, he's hitting... 271, 15 home runs, 45 RBIs, um, on-base plus slugging of 782, and 398 at-bats. So, very underwhelming. I could see a guy like him opting in just because he's not going to be making that kind of money on the open market based off of the season he had this year. Last year, 26 home runs, 92 RBIs, you know, 277 average. Um, 0.847 on base plus slugging in a in a 50 555 at bats in 147 games. I mean, does that warrant 35 million dollars? But I mean, you're pay, paying a premium position in shortstop, so yeah, okay, fine. All right, Corey Seager signed a 10-year, 325 million dollar contract with the Rangers. That's going to push him all the way to 2031, where he'll be 37 years old. Let's see. Last year, I'm just going to look at last year. It'll be super simple. Last year with the Dodgers, he had 29 home runs, 71 RBIs, a 256 average, 807 on base plus slugging in 485 at bats in 124 games. Uh, he's been a little riddled with injury bug. I know he had, a, I believe he had a. I don't know, know if it was Tommy John or elbow surgery. or Usually elbow surgery is Tommy John, but it could be something different sometimes. But he did have a little injury uh, thing earlier in his career, making him missing a lot of time. However, his average career average is 290, which isn't all that bad. His career on-base plus slugging is 860. Again, last year, 29, 71 RBIs, uh, 256 average. Does it warrant a 10-year, $325 million contract? Maybe not last year, but, you know, his career statistics, uh, 133 home runs, again, 290 average. You know, you can kind of make the case that he's, oh, again, premium position, good defender. You kind of have to, you know, look at it in that essence. So there's Corey Seager. Now our beloved Trevor Story. And there's a rhyme to my reason here, guys, why I'm going over all these numbers again and why I'm breaking this down. And hopefully you guys can kind of under understand where I'm potentially going to be going once I get through Trevor Story and Marcus Semyon's numbers. Uh, let's see. Our beloved Trevor Story signed a six-year, $140 million contract through the age 35 season, where that will end up in 2028. Let's look at last year's statistics with the Colorado Rockies. He is... Oh, wait. Was I looking at Corey Seager's stats this year? Oh, smokes. I was. I was looking at his uh, numbers this year. Oh, was I looking at Correa's too? Oh, goodness. I think I was. Oh, that was this year. Okay, Corey Seager this year has 29 home runs, 71 RBIs, 256 average. Last year at 16 home runs, 57 RBIs, 306 average, 915 on base in 90 games started in 353 at-bats. Ooh, that's a little weird. I was looking at this year's stats for Seager. 
Okay, last year. So he's getting paid off of 16 home runs, 57 RBIs in 90 games. It's just, I don't know. Like That kind of you know alters my thinking a little bit. As long as he stays healthy. I mean, he's healthy this year. He looks like he's hitting pretty well. I watched him hit a two-run tank yesterday here at the shop. Or was it the day before? I don't remember. I don't remember if it was Wednesday or yesterday. Anyway, okay. Trevor Story, last year, in 2021, hit 24 home runs, 75 RBIs, hit 251, 800 on base plus slugging in 140 games, uh, 143, excuse me, and in 526 at-bats. This year, he is mightily underperforming, but he's not making as much. He's only making $20 million per year compared to uh, Seager and Correa, who's making over 30. Now let's just take a peek at Marcus Semien, who signed a seven-year, $175 million contract. That will push him through age 37 season, which will expire in 2028. Uh, let's see, statistics last year with the Toronto Blue Jays, 45 home runs, 102 RBIs, two, uh, 265 average, 872 on-base plus slugging, in 162 games played, but there's only 161 started. Not that it matters, but congratulations, 162. <laughs> no one does that. No one does that anymore. Uh, and 652 at-bats. So far this year, he's also been underperforming a little bit. 20 home runs, 65 RBIs, 244 average, 720 on-base plus slugging. In 524 at-bats in 129 games. So, I mean, we have what we have to work with here. And obviously we have to base it off of last year's statistics for these players who signed contracts over the offseason this past year because i'm just trying to give you some reference guys is xander bogart's worth more than 20 million dollars moving forward next year he will be entering his age 30 season his birthday is actually uh i, I think october 1st it is so literally a month away uh let's say 28 days away whatever so when carlos correa signed his contract he was hitting 26 home runs, 92 RBIs, 277 average. When Correa signed, I'm sorry, when yeah, when Correa signed, he was hitting that. When Seager signed his contract, he was hitting 16 home runs, 57 RBIs, 306 average. Uh, let's see, Trevor Story here. 24 home runs, 75 RBIs, 251 average. And Semyon, who probably performed the best and got the least, or behind Story, uh, 45 home runs, 102 RBIs, granted 265 average, but, you know, 872 on base plus slugging. That's all pretty good numbers for Semyon, and he he's walking away with only seven years, uh, $175 million. Now, granted, he is 31 years old now. Let's see, Trevor Story is 29 years old. Corey Seager is 28 years old. And Carlos Correa is 27 years old. I think Carlos Correa kind of screwed himself with the three opt-outs. I mean, he can just opt in, but then he's going to be looking at, you know, trying to make a nice big bag at the age of 30. And, you know, it's could or could not play well for him being 30. But if you sign a 10-year deal at age 27, you know, maybe that just wasn't there for him. So, Xander Bogart, I mean, that, that noise you hear is, is that, that's my mouse. That's my mouse, you know, on the mouse pad just for reference. Sometimes you'll hear the chair squeak. From time to time. But so far, Alexander Bogarts, granted, there's still a month left of the season. 12 home runs, 310 batting average, 839 on base plus slugging, 
60 RBIs in 465 at-bats. I mean, he's playing almost every damn day. I mean, I know he missed a little bit of time uh, like a month or so ago. But is the pretty much the main point of this whole everything that we just talked about so far in the first 15 minutes of this episode is circling back to the question, is Xander Bogarts worth more than $20 million a year? If he opts in, he will be making $20 million for the next four years. Now, for next year, I'm going to go on a limb and say he's not worth much more than $20 million. Just for next year, just based off of what we have. The power numbers are down. The average is there. Uh, let's see, hits, hits. He's going to he's gonna have more hits this year than he had last year. He's going to have more doubles this year than he did last year. He had 23 home runs. Right now, he's only got 12. 79 RBIs last year. He's at 60, so we'll see where that kind of ends up. Xander Bogarts is, you know, playing, you know, similar, on par, or will be better this year than last year in just about every category outside of home runs. If we want to look at his batting average, 295 last year, 310 this year. Again, there's still a month. Things could go up. Things could go down. 370 on-base percentage last year. 378 this year. 493 slugging last year. 460 slugging this year. You could point to the home runs being down, which is the difference. Uh, On-base plus slugging, 863 last year, 839 this year. Again, let's point to the lack of home runs this year. Hits, we already went over the hits. The runs, 90 last year, 73 so far this year. The whole Red Sox lineup has been lacking in terms of offensive production, runs scored, home runs. So we can point to that as well. But he's only 17 behind last year's total. He'll probably have more at-bats this year than he did last year if he stays on pace. Uh, games played, he's 19 away from you know last year. He'll probably get 19 more games played between now and the end of the season. So just about every statistical category is equivalent to last year that it is to this year or going to be this year with the exception of the home runs. But does that make him a $20 million player or does that make him more? Is he getting better? Is he slowing down? He's going to be 30 next season. And again, I think going into next year, he is at or a little bit more than $20 million, worth more than $20 million. I do strongly believe that long-term, he's probably going to be worth more than $20 million because of what he can do for the locker room. He's a fan favorite. He's a clubhouse favorite. He's homegrown. He's won two World Series with you guys. He's been through hell and back with this team in uh, 2013, winning the, the championship. 2014, 2015, sucking ass. 2016, 17, 18, you, you come back, you, you're playing well, you win the World Series in 2018. You know, you have a subtly disappointing 19, 2020s, whatever. You went back to the ALCS in 2020, two wins away from the World Series, and now here you are in 2020, uh, 2022. excuse me. So you and Alexander Bogarts have been all around the world pretty much. I do think Alexander Bogarts is worth more than $20 million. I mean, when I'm looking at what Marcus Semyon's making, he's making 20 uh, five million this year and twenty six the rest of the way twenty his last year that's in twenty twenty eight. Trevor Story, I guess is a great comparison. 
Uh, he's making 20 million this year, 20 next year, 22 and a half, 22 and a half, 25, 25, 25. Corey Seager is just going to be making probably 32 and a half all the way through. Oh no, it's front loaded. 33, 35, 35, 32 and a half, 31, 31. Carlos Correa is just 35 with opt outs. I mean, he's probably somewhere in between. A short term, at least. I'm not not talking like a 10 year contract. I'm thinking like a five year contract. I've been telling people here at the shop, you know, if you can give Xander Bogarts five to six years, 25 per, I think that gets it done. I really do. Five years at 25 is 125. Uh, six years at 25 per year is 150. I really think something like that gets it done where he's already on the books to be making 25 million for the next four years. You bump it up five million, maybe give him an extra year. I mean, I don't believe, I truly don't believe Xander Bogart's looking for a long-term deal. He's not looking for like a Bryce Harper or a Tatis Jr. kind of a contract or, you know, that 14-year Juan Soto contract that he declined. I really don't think he is looking for that long-term contract. I think he's just looking for a little pay bump. And when you're only paying players, uh, where to go? Hold on, I got to find it now. When you're only playing around $100 million, you know, give or take a little bit, to next year, what's $5 million when you have Paxton coming off the books? You know, that James Paxton $13 million is baked into the current payroll that I'm looking at, the number that I'm looking at right now. And you're going to decline that option. So you're saving money right there. Sawamora uh, on this payroll for 2023 is at $3 million. That's into That's baked into this number that I'm looking at. That's going to be off the books. You're saving $16 million right there. You could um, accept or decline Tommy Pham's mutual option you know, on your end for $6 million. There's savings right there. I literally just saved the Boston Red Sox over $20 million by declining James Paxton, by declining Tommy Pham, and obviously Sal Moore is coming off the books. I just saved you $20 million by doing absolutely nothing, by just looking at Spotrack.com slash MLB slash Boston Red Sox slash payroll slash 2023. Just saved you 20, uh, what is it? Three, six, that's nine, 13. I just saved you $22 million. You're welcome. So it shouldn't really be that complicated. It really should not be that complicated. Now, again, there has to be a value in Alexander Bogarts, outside of his statistics. Homegrown, take it for what you want. Heim loves his homegrown guys. Bogarts clearly it clearly isn't one of his homegrown guys. But he's an excellent locker room presence. He is the leader of that clubhouse. By far the leader of that clubhouse. He learned from the absolute best to be a leader. He learned from Ortiz. He learned from Pedro. Oh, not Pedro. Wow. Pedroia. Wow. Listen, PD, Pedro, Pedroia, yeah, you can see where I kind of slipped up. Ortiz he learned from. He learned from Pedroia, two fan favorites, two locker room clubhouse uh, favorites, um, leaders in the clubhouse. So he's learning from the best. And now it's him. You just trade away Christian Vasquez, who kind of was a fan favorite a little bit, but he was a clubhouse guy. He was a leader in the clubhouse. He was a voice in the clubhouse. Now, yeah, you could maybe bring him back. But, you know, that's a conversation for a different day. I think Alexander Bogart's value is worth is probably worth, you know, all things considered, 
$30 million. But I don't think he's asking for 30 You know, I really do think 25 ish gets it done. Again, he's not looking for a long-term deal. You could probably just give him 5 to $6, 7000000 million extra for the remaining of his contract. And that probably keeps him here in Boston. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Till age 33, where he becomes unrestricted free agent. Oh, I'm sorry, age 34, where he becomes unrestricted free agent in 2027. By then, you know, you'll move on from Trevor Story. Maybe Marcelo Meyer is ready, you know, a couple years beforehand. Maybe you move Bogarts over to third base. Maybe you move him to first base, DH, whatever, whatever, whatever. I think I've mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again. My ideal situation for the Red Sox in the next couple of years with the cluster jam of infielders that they have is next year in 2023, you have Devers at third, you have Bogarts at short, you have Tristan Cassis at first. Obviously, you're going to have Trevor Story at second base, obviously. I don't. We're not going to see Meyer next year. We'll probably, maybe, you know, a little call-up action for an injury or whatever. You know, give him like 50 games or so. May see him in 2024, potentially. But again, at that point, I'd still rather have Devers at third because you signed him to a long-term deal. I'd rather have Bogarts at short, Cassis at first, and then again, Trevor Story at, um, what is it? Trevor Story, uh, no, Trevor Story at second base. Wow. Okay, that's 2024. Now we're two years into the rest of Alexander Bogarts' contract. 2025 rolls around. You move, I mean, you could probably have Devers be your DH now, but, you know, he's 25 and wants to make third base money, not DH money. So, I mean, maybe you get him to move over to uh, DH in two years. Who's going to be your DH between now and 2025? I have no idea. Could it be like a Tommy Pham? You bring back J.D. Martinez. Do you go out and try to find somebody else? Is it Dahlbeck? I don't know. I don't know. Here in 2025, I foresee, you know, Bogart's 32 years old at this point. Either Devers or Bogart's, your DH for the foreseeable future. If it's Bogart's, you have Marcelo Meyer playing shortstop. If Devers is your DH, you move Alexander Bogart's over to third base. You still have Trevor Story at second base. 
who, again, I guess you could move him over to third base and Bogarts to second base or whatever, but Story's already at second base, so I'm just going to kind of keep him there for now. That's 2025, and so your infield in 2025 and 2026 can be Devers or Bogarts at third, Meyer or Bogarts at short, Story at second, Cassis at first. Again, Meyer will be shortstop with Bogarts at third and Devers DH. If Bogarts is your DH, then Devers is at third. Like, I mean, it can work out. Obviously, you got questions like Nick York, Jeter Downs, Hudson Potts, these guys that are coming up, Blaze Jordan coming up through the system soon. I don't expect all these, I don't expect like a Jeter Downs to honestly be here long term. Would be nice, maybe a little off the bench action. Maybe he's like your fifth, sixth infielder or so in a couple years or moving forward. I don't know. But like, I mean, what's wrong with that? like that? That plan can work. And then in 2027, when Bogarts is a free agent, you can reevaluate it. Maybe he's your, you know, DH long term, maybe third base long term. You know, you can let him walk then, you know, if numbers aren't working or the statistics are falling off. It can work out. But if Heim Bloom keeps drafting these damn shortstops in the first round of these drafts, it's not going to. It can work. The financial aspects of Xander Bogarts can work. Obviously, the Devers is a different story because he's going to want a long-term deal. He's going to want thirty-plus million a year. Then there's the rumors of Aaron Judge to the Red Sox in the off-season, and that's going to kind of you know suck up a lot of you know your salary if you sign Devers to let's say ten years, three hundred million. You sign Judge ten years, three hundred fifty million. There's sixty-five million dollars right there sucked up into two players, so. It can get a little complicated. I, I understand it's not as easy as me explaining it to you, but I feel like the Red Sox are making it so damn complicated, but it doesn't really have to be. And the whole judge of the Red Sox thing, I don't know if I mentioned it here. I know I've mentioned it to the shop, uh, people that come to the shop a million times, is if you didn't pay Mookie Betts, then why are you going to pay Aaron Judge? Roughly the same age at, you know, contract signing. I think Judge is a little older now than Betts was when he, when the Red Sox traded him. Who would you rather have? You know, Aaron Judge, who has had a history of being injured this year. He's been beyond healthy. Mookie Betts, homegrown guy, fan favorite, clubhouse guy. It's just like, if you're not going to overpay your homegrown guy to keep him around, who the fans already love. Then why are you going to bring in Aaron Judge, who currently Red Sox fans hate, but I think bringing him in would be like a stab to the Yankees. It'd be hilarious. But he's having a crazy season this year. I just don't want to buy into the hype of of this tremendous campaign that Aaron Judge is having. Hopefully he breaks the American League home run record. That'll be foreseen. But, like, it's just these are questions we need to answer. You know, if you're not paying bets... I'd rather paid Betts four hundred million for ten years than Judge for four hundred million for ten years. To be honest, because a Betts was younger at the time than Judge is now. Fan favorite, homegrown, you know, he's already been in the system a little bit. So it's just like, and like I wasn't a fan of giving Betts four hundred for ten years, but I'd rather give it to him than Judge. If you know what I'm saying. So again, another Red Sox discussion that I did not plan to have, but this was something that I really wanted to talk about. I thought about it uh, like on Wednesday. And I was like, oh, this would be a perfect conversation for uh, for the podcast that I think you guys would definitely would want to hear. So I really don't plan on talking about the Red Sox. Like, you know, oh, they're playing against the Rangers today. You know, here's the four-game series. Here's the matchup. What to look for? I mean, they're out of the playoffs. They're not going to make it. They suck. They blow. 
And I think it's a huge upper management issue that really needs to be addressed in the offseason. Bloom needs to knock it out, excuse me, knock it out of the park this offseason. Otherwise, I think his job will be in question in the middle of in the middle of 2023, honestly, if he doesn't you know, bring back Bogarts or figure it out. I mean, if he doesn't bring back Bogarts and you move Story to shortstop and you put Christian Arroyo at second base, nothing against Christian Arroyo or even like a Jeter Downs, what are we doing? I, I get Jeter Downs is younger, there's upside there, but what are we doing? What are we doing? So, Hein has a ton of answer. I think it would tremendously help his job and really probably give him an extra year if he signs Devers long-term. Just being honest. Just being honest. But, I mean, these are conversations I plan on having about the Red Sox moving forward. You know, number crunching, off-season, uh, hot stove discussions. And that's really all I, I want to talk about. I mean, I do like talking about, like, the the behind-the-scenes stuff with the Red Sox. I think it's fun. Although I would like to be talking about, oh, you know, they are playing the Rangers today. You know, they're only one game out of the wild card. You know, they should be able to take three or four, da 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 da, da. But nope, those are conversations we can't have about this team, unfortunately. So let's just switch over to the Red, uh, Red Sox. From the Red Sox to the Patriots here, with the 53-man roster being officially released, and I want to break it down for you. With the quarterbacks, obviously, no surprises here. Mac Jones, Brian Hoyer, and Bailey Zappi. No surprises there. I, I don't know what you want me to talk about. I mean, you know, Bailey Zappi was going to make the roster. Brian Hoyer was going to. I mean, was Mac Jones a potential cut? Uh, obviously not, guys. Running backs. Let's have a conversation about running backs here. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Ty Montgomery, and Pierre Strong Jr., all made the roster. Obviously, with James White retiring, it allows a Ty Montgomery to make the team. However, J.J. Taylor, Kevin Harris were waived. More than likely going to be. I don't know if J.J. Taylor is still eligible or not for the practice squad. Obviously, Kevin Harris is. So, we'll, but with Ty Montgomery with that uh, that injury, you know, good to see him not have to go on IR. You know, hopefully he'll be ready for, you know, week one. But, you know, we'll see. We'll have to wait and see about that. But no surprises really at running back, except there are four running backs that the Patriots went with instead of five, which was, you know, potential rumor. You know, but Ty Montgomery is a running back. So, you know, quote, unquote. Wide receivers, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Tyquan Thornton. Again, no little surprises of who of these players making the team. But the surprise, in my opinion, little Jordan Humphrey did not make the roster. Christian Kirk was placed on season-ending IR. And Trey Nixon, back to the practice squad. Back to the practice squad for him. Humphrey, back on the practice squad for the Pats. Again, Christian Wilkerson. These were all players rumored to make the roster. I think all three of them easily could have if there was a 54th opening. However, you know, it's it's tough. It's tough. You know, it sucks that Christian Wilkerson, uh, you know, suffered the concussion during the joint practice with the Panthers a couple weeks ago. I really do like his upside. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We will see. I mean, I like, I do, it was against the Jaguars, a little spark. He was, you know, showing some good signs this past uh, summer. 
Trey Nixon uh, as well, good route runner, you know, separation ability, you know, was really good on the top of his routes. Low Jordan Humphrey making big plays on offense, on special teams. So, you know, things could change. You know, Ty Montgomery could still go to IR or Tyquan Thorne, who's currently not on IR, could. Little Jordan Humphrey makes the roster and, you know, just kind of go from there with it. We'll see. Tight end, only Hunter Henry, John o. Smith. Uh, Devin Asiasi did not make the team. Matt Sokol did not make the scene, uh, make the team. Uh, what's his name? Dalton Keene got waived a little bit ago. Obviously, he did not make the team. Only two tight ends, though. Very interesting. Only two tight ends did not, or only two tight ends did make the roster. Obviously, you could have an extra guard. You could have, I mean, there was rumors of Lojo and Humphrey becoming like your pseudo third tight end if he was on the roster, but nope. Hunter Henry, John o. Smith. That's it. Not no, no big surprises, really. Uh, let's see. Offensive line, Trent Brown, Cole Strange, David Andrews, Mike Awenu, Isaiah Wynn, your starters. Justin Heron, Yadni Kajust, and Chasen Hines are your three reserve offensive linemen. Obviously, there's questions about Isaiah Wynn, you know, him being right tackle, him not being, you know, the player that you thought he was when you drafted him in the first round of 2018. There was rumors of him getting traded. I'm not a fan of trading him unless you're getting a first-round pick because Mac Jones needs all the protection you can get. And as god-awful as Isaiah Wynn has been, he's still better than your replacement players for right tackle. So that's just kind of my stance at it. Defensive line, you got Christian Barmore, David Godchow, Lawrence Guy, Dietrich Wise, Carl Davis, and Sam Roberts. Uh, was there any uh, big surprises here? Mm, not really. Uh, you know, Sam Roger, uh, Sam Roberts, sixth-round pick. I mean, you, know, you need depth there. You really do. I mean, Barmore is going to be elite, it seems like. Lawrence Guy is aging. Dietrich Wise has has a lot to prove this year. Carl Davis, and you know, is, is mediocre at best. But David Gotchow, you know, just signed that big deal. I think he has a lot to prove. I think they want to try to make Barmore and Gotchow the focal point of that defensive line, at least in the middle, with the potential 4-3. I mean, I really don't see the... the I mean, I, I see it being more like a 3-4 kind of a thing with, like, you know, Judon... I don't know. It'll be very interesting to, to see what the Patriots do, you know, in terms of their base defense. But um, let's see where let's see where to go. Oh, edge outside linebacker Judon Uche, Anthony Jennings, and Demarcus Mitchell. Um, twenty twenty one third round pick Ronnie Perkins out for the season opened the door for Demarcus Mitchell, who a lot of people really did like going into or exiting camp, I should say. Judon was a staple. Huge, huge make it or break a year for Josh Uche and Anthony Jennings. Jennings we have not seen a lot of because of injuries himself, but it'll be definitely interesting to see what the old Alabama guy can do. Big fan of Jennings just because, like I said, he went to Alabama. But I mean, you know, depending on what the Patriots want to do, you know, if they want to go from 4 3 to 3 4, you know, it's going to kind of really depend on, you know, what guys get a lot of playing time. And I expect, you know, the defensive line to rotate, you know, Throughout the game, uh, throughout the game, every game and such, is because you have a hodgepodge of, uh, you know, guys. Judon was excellent for 12 games, then he tailed off. Christian Barmore was excellent his rookie season, huge jump, um, expected here in year two. But again, Godshaw, Guy, Wise, Davis, Roberts, you know, Uche, Jennings, Demarcus Mitchell, like these are all just guys. You know, I'm not really like 
awed or like in shock of any of these guys. And you know, it's not like you have uh, Khalil Mack or you know Nick Bosa, J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt even, and then you got like a Fletcher Cox or like an old school Vince Wilfork in the nose. So it's just like you know, besides Barmore and Judon, it's just like you know, a bunch of guys that I expect to rotate throughout the course of the game and you know, kind of give the opposing offense different looks. Um, linebacker Jawan Bentley, Raekwon McMillan, Mac Wilson, and Jelani Tave. I don't know how to say that. Tave. I don't know. Uh, is there anything on him in this report? Uh, let's see. Tavai rides out the Rome on the initial roster as a potential four-down player this season, but the expectation is his biggest impact will come in the kicking game. Whoop-de-doo, special teams guy. Bill Belichick loves those guys and a potential, you know, kicking game guy for the time being. But Juwan Bentley, Raekwon McMillan, Mac Wilson. Obviously, you got Mac, Mil- Mac Wilson in the trade. You signed McMillan last year and he tore his ACL, so hopefully he has a huge breakout season this year. And Jawan Bentley is kind of like the mainstay from the past few seasons at linebacker for the Pats. No Hightower, no Van Noy, no Jamie Collins. Uh, it'll be definitely an interesting look at linebacker. Hopefully you are quicker. Hopefully you are faster, but still stronger. So we're just going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to wait and see a linebacker. I mean, I do think the front seven as a whole, D-line, rushers, linebackers will be very, very interesting to watch cornerbacks Jalen Mills Jonathan Jones Miles Bryant Sean Wade Jack Jones Marcus Jones six guys made the roster for the cornerback position Jalen Mills is going to obviously be your number one Jonathan Jones was your slot corner but he may be looking to play outside Uh, Miles Bryant I guess was able to you know still kick the can and really make the roster he played a lot of slot corner last year with Jonathan Jones injured will he be the slot corner this year I know a lot of um, a lot of hype was around Marcus Jones to be the slot corner moving forward but then you got a guy like Sean Wade who's a fifth round pick of the Ravens last year traded to the Pats last year who didn't really play much uh, so we're just gonna wait and see obviously Jawan Williams is see ya oh that draft class is awful just thinking about it Nikhil Harry Jawan Williams oh my god just think about that first two picks Nikhil Harry Jawan Williams I don't hate drafting a wide receiver but you literally picked the wrong receiver anybody else you could have put picked AJ Brown you could have picked DK Metcalf you could have picked who else was there oh my god it's so depressing I look at this list all the time 2009 19 NFL draft I look at this list all the damn time, and it's so frustrating. All you had to do was literally draft anybody else. Uh, come on. Pro football focus. Uh, I don't want to do this to myself, but I'm going to. Uh, let's see. So before you took Nikhil Harry, Marquise Brown went to the Ravens. Okay, nothing you can do there. Debo Samuel was taken after. A.J. Brown was taken after. Miko Hardman was taken after. I've taken him any day of the week. Um, J.J. Aaron Siegel-Whiteside, who's, I guess, now a tight end. Um, Paris Campbell, Andy Isabella, D.K. Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, uh, Jalen Hurd, Terry McLaurin in the third round. Uh, Miles Boykin, I'd probably even take over him. Uh, anyone notable? I mean, we're kind of getting into some bums now. Um, Hunter Renfro in the goddamn fifth round. Oh, my God, that's just so infuriating. Darius Slayton in the fifth round, I'd take him over Nikhil Harry. 
Um, let's see. Anybody else? Scotty Miller on the sixth round for the Bucks. Oh, geez. Uh, and then, yeah, no one really else. But, like, come on. Like, Debo, A.J. Brown, uh, D.K., Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin. Like, oh, my God. I, I do this to myself all the damn time. Anyways. Anyways. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Joe Williams is obviously off the board. Last year, I was saying you need, he needs to make the roster because he's the only cornerback you have, you know, after Jonathan Jones went down, what you know, before he went down, actually, why was oh because Gilmore was injured, J.C. Jackson was going to be you know free agent, you probably weren't going to bring him back, so you need to keep Jawan Williams for depth. So I, I get it, I get it. Bad take. Safeties: Devin McCourty, Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips, Jabril Peppers, and Josh Bledsoe. No big surprises there, honestly, with the exception of Josh Bledsoe. Little surprise there, but um, he had a strong summer. Playing multiple roles in the secondary. I heard he was looking like a Pat Chung. Then I'm hearing he looks like a Rodney Harrison. So it's like, you know, you know, when you have Devin McCourty is going to be your center field, you know, deep safety. You got Kyle Duggar, who's been kind of like a box safety pretty much. Kind of like your Pat Chung. Adrian Phillips has been kind of like a flex. You know, he's been playing deep in the uh, center field. He's been playing in the box. Jabril Peppers kind of been you know, all over the place. Be interesting to see what Josh Bledsoe's role can be outside of special teams because I'm sure he'll get some snaps out there as well. But um, I'll be definitely very interested to see. And then uh, coverage specialists, you have Matthew Slater, Cody Davis, and Brendan Schooler. Big notable name there is, um, not there is, what's his name? What's his name? Oh, why can't I think of his name? Oh, God. Justin Bethel, who, you, who the Ravens waved a few years ago. Then you picked him up and... Now he's not on the roster anymore, you know, in favor of Brendan Schooler, so it'll be pretty interesting. Uh, Schooler's earned high praise when teammates compared him to former Patriots special team ace Nate Ebner. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Um, although Bethel posted a farewell to the Patriots on social media, it's still possible he could sign back with the team when a roster spot opens up, which I would not be surprised because Bill Belichick does love his special teamers. And then the specialists, Nick Folk, your kicker, Jake Bailey, your punter, and Joe Cardona, your long snapper um no surprises there no surprises there uh let's see tristan Vizcaina was on this roster all summer but it didn't feel like the team's trust in folk ever wavered i mean nick folk within like 40 yards is literally throwing a ball in the ocean from 40 and in now, obviously when you get closer to 50 it's a little questionable you know most kickers are a little bit questionable once you get closer to 50 but i mean nick folk inside 40 maybe even 45, absolute money. And I still think back to the Tampa Bay Bucks game. Was it week four last year? Week four, week five, whatever it was. I think it was week four. It was like a 53-yarder. He kicks it. It fell, I think it fell just a little bit short. But I mean, or yeah, but no, I think it was like left or right, but the ball was like going left and right because of the wind, the rain. You know, A, if it was 10 yards closer, he would have hit it. I think he would have hit it if there was no inclement weather. But that's just what you get when you play in Foxborough. You get rain. You get snow. You get wind. You, you get it all. But, you know, that's kind of the 53-man roster right there for the Patriots. I have no big surprises. I, you know, really, I thought little Jordan Humphrey would make the roster, to be honest. I That's probably my biggest surprise. I mean, he's with the practice squad, but, you know, it's very dangerous. Very dangerous. He can still get sniped by any other team. 
I do expect more moves and news to come out between now and week one, whether it's players going to IR, again, players getting traded, getting, you know, maybe further released, signings. You know, there are going to be a lot of moves made between now and week one uh, inside Gillette Stadium, whether it's rosters trying to figure out this and figure out that, where players go, what plays, da 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 or actually on the physical 53-man roster sheet. So it'll be very interesting to see between now and September 11th when they go down to Miami to play the Miami Dolphins for week one of the 2022 season. It'll be very, very exciting come then. But that is going to wrap it up today for, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode, excuse me, for episode number 157. I really appreciate you guys downloading, listening, and enjoying if you're listening to this on audio-only platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple, uh, Amazon Music, wherever you can listen to your podcasts, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. So again, I really appreciate you guys downloading, listening, and enjoying as it really shows your support for the podcast. And if you listen to this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. And if you did enjoy it, please make sure you smash the thumbs up button. I'll greatly appreciate the love and support with a simple like. Comment down below any questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to reiterate, anything you want to talk about. Maybe you have a counter argument to anything that I've said in today's episode. Leave those down in the comment section below as I can't wait to read and reply to any and all comments. And of course, are you new to the channel? Have you subscribed? Because if you're not subscribed and you're new to the channel, then you should totally consider hitting that giant red subscribe button. I'll greatly appreciate the love and support that way as well that's probably the best way you can show your love and support is by subscribing to the channel i'm oh so close to 400 subscribers on youtube i feel like i've been at 379 380 for the longest time so please 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 help me get to the 400 number i would really love to have that badge of honor but that's going to wrap it up enjoy your weekend uh it's september 2nd so it's going to basically feel like fall now here in new england with september 1st behind us it's going to feel like fall. Cold weather is coming. You guys know that I hate it, but I know a lot of people do love their seasons, their fall weather. So I will catch you in the next one for episode number 158, where we'll dive into a lot of Patriots Dolphins week one, you know, thoughts, predictions, etc. We'll talk about the whole NFL week one. Actually, we'll even be able to break down Thursday night between the Rams and the Bills because they'll be the night before. So a lot of exciting stuff to talk about come next episode, but we'll have to wait a whole week for that. So hopefully you guys have a good weekend and a week next week. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you and I will always, always see you. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.